This week, I have got my first repeat guest back on the show. Samala Biograce was here a few months ago. We had a great chat at the time, and I just wanted to dive in a little bit more to a few of the things that we chatted about last time. So this time, we're talking all about her book, all about her experience of healing from trauma. But we also got into loads, loads more than that around how the way we see ourselves, the actions we take, the way we relate to the world can be so heavily influenced by our past experiences, right through to how it can affect how we feel about ourselves, whether we exercise or not, and body image too. You are going to love this one. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast, bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life, improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at Alex Chickfit. Before I get started today, I just want to share a little something with you. And it's another brilliant podcast called Why I Run. And I know for sure that it's going to really appeal to some of you out there. Now, it celebrates both extraordinary and everyday stories of running in the lead up to the global charity event, Wings for Life World Run, which is in May. It's an event which gives 100% of all entry fees to spinal cord research. Why I Run is hosted by TikTok sensation Erin Azar and world record-breaking swimmer Ayo Ekinwilero. And in it, they chat to guests from all around the world about their passion for running. They promote inclusivity in this space. They talk about unique personal experiences and all of the reasons why running is so much fun. So do check it out. Just search for Why I Run wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello there. Welcome back to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. And this week, I've got a special guest episode of I like to do once every few weeks. And this is my first repeat guest because Samala came on the podcast a few months ago and we had a really amazing chat about life after trauma, how to deal with trauma and also the inflammation that goes with it. Now, that was off the back of a book spiral that Samala was writing at the time, which is now complete and published and that I have now had the opportunity to read. And honestly, it is such an amazing book. So it not only takes you through the trauma that Smala herself has experienced, but it really gets you thinking about the way that your own past might show up in the things that you do and the way you experience the world in the present as well. And of course, this stuff has such a huge impact on our well-being, both physical and mental as well. So I wanted to get Smala back to talk more about this massive subject and particularly how we can start to learn to sit with our feelings, sit with our emotions, and also how we can look at our past to inform the way that we show up and the way that we do things in our present in and our future as well. So welcome back, Samala. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for having me again. Pleasure. So before we get into it, I thought I would leave this bit to you. Do you want to explain what your book is about? So my book, Spiral, is a creative memoir. So it is the story of my psychological awakening, if you like, which began in 2020. And there was a moment where I hit a deep suicidal rock bottom. And that led to me exploring and 
revisiting past experiences, which at the time I didn't realize were creating, I suppose, like bombs within my nervous system and were trauma. So I think that, you know, the book is my, in a sense, takes you back with me as I revisit my sort of early childhood all the way up into 2020 and kind of move through the experiences that, you know, again, I sort of, I guess I'd blocked out or explained away or didn't, wasn't seeing how they were repeatedly showing up, you know, my relationships and the way that I was mothering in the way that I was relating to people um, and most of all, the way that I was perceiving myself. So yeah, so the book is kind of the beginning of my healing journey, if you like, but it is in no way the end. And I don't say that to indicate that we are forever healing. What I mean is, is that it was the beginning of that, you know, just that real growth and evolution point. Um, But in many ways, I'm still moving through different iterations and, and sort of expansion on that. But actually, the one thing that I discovered in my kind of two-year dark night of the soul is that I was always whole and it was actually the way that I was perceiving those experiences and myself that was causing the continued pain and suffering. Yeah, and I think that self-perception is so important, isn't it? I was reading something or I heard something the other day where somebody said like, you know, 50% or 70% or something of your memories are actually false memories because you perceive things to have happened in a certain way and you take messages away from that that you hold on to for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is not to say that what happened to you didn't feel real and wasn't filed in your body as a true experience. And I think that that's what can be really challenging because for me, that was kind of where my journey led. So, you know, when I ended up working with coaches and therapists and people who were facilitating and holding space for my self-reflection and self-inquiry, that as I kind of move deeper and deeper and deeper into that, it's not that my memories, it's that I was only seeing the one side of a memory. So I was I was seeing an experience and purely perceiving that experience as painful and perceiving that experience that it meant something about me, when in actual fact, the experience is both-sided, two-sided, and that the dynamic often was there to serve me. And that can be really difficult, especially because I think a lot of the time I didn't realize how much I was in a victim mindset. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's not my job to heal myself. It's the person that hurts me's job to apologize and make it better. But then you can never step into empowerment. So yeah, that, you know, your memory is is all is is like black and white and it's very can be very one-sided, but it's very real, right? So it's very real in your body. And it's in your body, which is where the healing really has to happen. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about talking to somebody like you is that, you know, when when you read the book, you're like, actually, some of those experiences were really traumatic that you have. And, you know, that is a lot for you to deal with later. But there may be a lot of women out there who are who are kind of going, well, I don't have a traumatic past. I had a happy childhood. Yeah. I had a, you know, I've not yeah. suffered any particular major trauma in my life. But we've all we all carry stuff. We all carry mm-hmm. baggage from our past, don't we? And I think that we're not we're not particularly good at, at recognizing it. And dealing with it and, and it shows up it then shows up in the way that we every day like you say in the way we parent in the way that we relate to other people in the way that we relate to the world and the things we do for ourselves mm-hmm. well so what is it that we can we can sort of take from your story I suppose that might help us mm. yeah it's a really good question and you're so right because 
you know, whilst my story is obviously completely unique individual to me, there will have been a lot of people, you know, women and men who have experienced similar experiences that yeah, I did. And um, I think the big one for me is that, you know, like you said, you can grow up and have a relatively, you know, smooth childhood. But again, trauma is very subjective. Oh. And it can be something as small, and I say small, it's not small, but something that is so seemingly insignificant that your adult self can rationalize as well. Yeah. I can see why that had to happen 30 years later. I can see yeah. why that had to happen. It could be something as, as simple as, you know, in school and you're standing in front of a group of peers and you're doing a talk and you start to get nervous and I don't know, you start to cry or you um, shake and get nervous and then somebody laughs, right? Yeah. And then that in and of itself can get filed in your subconscious as a trauma, but yeah. also this. And this is where we could kind of really go really deep into it. And this is what I work on. So the, the current person that I work with is that in that moment, there may be a, a perception of guilt or shame. So I'm ashamed of myself because I've not done my class talk very well. And so because of that perception of you will never, ever get up in front of anybody ever again. And then every time you're called to stand in front of your peers or in front of people, you may start to experience sweaty palms, a racing heart. You feel sick because your nervous system is trying to take you away from an experience that you filed away subconsciously as dangerous, as a threat. And But as, as a 30-year-old, you'd be like, oh, that's silly. I was like five. So why is that still coming up now? Because in your body, it's still happening. It's still yeah. happening, you know. So I think, think something like that. And it could be us, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people don't often think about how your parents and and the you know maybe perhaps how they were in relationships. So again, you know, I've had I've had friends who have you know had parents who have been in these long lasting relationships, and then they themselves have gone through a divorce or a separation, and have experienced a, you know incredible suffering because they feel guilty and ashamed for not living up to the standard. So trauma and it's our perception of ourselves and who we should be is often what causes the pain. So. To link it back to my story, a lot of my pain and suffering, when I felt that night, if you read my book, I experienced a moment of just like, I can't go on living because the incredible amount of guilt that I felt because I was showing up in a certain way in front of my children because I had, I resented, so, so resented that behavior because of what I'd experienced. So I built this perception, this belief in my head that if I act anything like a certain way, then, then that means that I am bad. So it was the guilt that drove me to think it's better off that I no longer live because I didn't want to in any way put that on my children, if that makes sense. So yeah, so I think we all have stuff within us. And I think as parents, you know, we look at the world outside of us and we think, wow, that person's got themselves together. Why can't I be like that? Why don't I, why don't I show up in that way? You know, that's low level suffering. That's low level anxiety. And, you know, I think that there is, always going to be a bit of resistance from your system because it often takes a huge amount of pain to really go into that dark place. You know, I was suicidal. That was what it took for me to go there. I'm not saying that you have to reach that point, but what I mean is that I think oftentimes, like to say, Alex, it's like if you've had a relatively smooth life and you haven't experienced too many, say, quote-unquote challenges, then it's almost like, well, why would I, why would I get through everything and go sit? Yeah. Why would I go searching in, in there? But 
it'll show up, you know, it'll show up in your anxieties or your worries or physical pain. Like you work with women who public health and, you know, and, and traumas can happen later in life as well. It doesn't have to just be childhood, yeah. you yeah, know, pregnancy, birth. I mean, so many women are traumatized during birth, postpartum. You know, there's just, there's so many different types. And again, trauma is so subjective because you could have two people in the same room experiencing what is the same thing, but it's not. And like you say, because our memories are so informed by our perception. So it's like me and my siblings have a very different perception on our childhoods because we are different people and we saw different things and we were in the room from a different angle. And that doesn't mean that it's not true for me. It just means that it may not be true for them. Then you can't say to someone, well, that's not that's not traumatic because I wasn't traumatized, you know? Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, just going back to something you were saying, it's, it's really interesting because one of the things that I was always told at school was that I was too quiet. I didn't talk up enough. Okay. So I needed to join in more. I needed to just say mm. more. I was too mm-hmm. And, you know, God, I internalized that for years and mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. We think that I wasn't worthy, that mm-hmm. I was I was too quiet to be good at stuff. Mm-hmm. I was always mediocre because I didn't speak up enough. And, you know, I, that I suffered with that for years and years and years, not and, and not on a particularly conscious level, but you know, mm-hmm. I now realized yeah. back in it, I was like, God, like yeah. I suffered for years because I just got constantly told as a child, as a teenager especially that I was too quiet and it was yeah. that was a bad thing being too quiet was yeah. bad and actually look at the moment it's called quiet mm-hmm. and it's all about introverts mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it talks it talks about this you know the the extroversion and the the way that we kind of put that on a pedestal that being extroverts yeah. going out there and all that kind of thing and you know, yeah. it really made me think about about the fact that oh, I was like yeah there was nothing wrong with me why do people keep telling the wrong thing but I've ca- I carried that with me for years and it it caused me to do certain things and I think you know with a lot of women they might identify with this one is you know if you didn't enjoy PE at school mm-hmm. or you didn't get picked for the team or you you know got told you weren't very good at it or whatever what does that translate into that translates into an adult that doesn't exercise hate it so much because yeah. they felt that they just were no good at it and what was the point of trying because they were never going to be any good and it's, yeah. it's even in the little things like that that we we just don't we don't recognize may still be affecting us like yeah. 30 years later you know No, absolutely. I think the introvert extrovert piece is really interesting because, you know, I really, I mean, I've moved away from that because why would you want to get up and speak in front of people if you don't feel safe? If you don't feel that you can be your authentic self, right? Because you're only going to show up, especially as kids, because kids are the real, kids are, I mean, I feel like authenticity, this word now is just so like overused now, but you know, it's like kids are from the minute they're born, they are just themselves. They're just themselves. And then as time goes on, the world comes in, other people with their own projections and their own issues and all their own stuff come in and start saying, yeah, you need to be more like this and oh, less like that, but more like this and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, if you're someone who naturally or, you know, actually clearly because you've got a podcast, you do have stuff to say. And then when you're feeling like people are kind of saying, hey, you need to speak more, you're like, well, yeah, maybe I do have something to say, but I don't feel like I want to say it in this space. Of course, you're going to develop this idea that, well, I'm not like that. So that means I can't ever be like that because I'm not that, you know, and I think it's a really, yeah, and I think the introvert extrovert piece is really interesting. Because again, like I can be extroverted in certain spaces and places yeah. and very quiet, but also, I mean, and this is maybe a podcast for another time, but um, 
So um, I don't know if you've heard of human design. So human design is basically like an energetic blueprint, okay? So you have certain people who are, their ideal environment is what's called being observed. So these are the people who love to be watched. So I have one child who literally, she's like, mommy, you watching me? Mommy, you watching me? Mommy, watch me? Watch me? Watch me? Watch me? And then my other daughter, you could come in the room and she goes, don't look at me, don't look at me. So her environment is too observed. So I'm too observed, which is why I love social media. I'm like, oh, I can watch and I can interact when I want to. Um, but I don't particularly like being observed when I'm in my genius. Yeah. And then some people do like to be observed when they're in the genius zone. So it's not that I'm an introvert. It's just wow. that I am more capable of sharing my gifts when I'm kind of not everyone's looking at me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Which is probably yeah. why for you, you love a podcast because well, you can speak and you can share, but you haven't got a whole bunch of people staring at you, right. which is probably why you didn't want to do it in the first place because that's not going to feel good for you. Yeah, but although it's a funny thing as well, though, because clearly we're all, it's not just as simple as an introvert and an extrovert, like you say. It's like the whole range. And I'm, I'm an introvert in many ways. Like I need time by myself yeah. I get lots of time with other people. But I actually do like to socialise. I do like to see yeah. myself sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I also don't mind public speaking. Like I don't mind standing in front of a room full of people and speaking. But I know plenty yeah. of extroverts who absolutely hate that. Exactly. <laughs> so, but exactly. Uh, so, but for a long time, I let it inform like how I showed up in those situations. And when you were past it, you sort of realised you're like, actually, I don't mind these situations that other people seem to hate. And, you know, vice versa. So, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It is. And like you say, it's like, it's this kind of labeling, I think, that creates a lot of the issue. And that's what and you don't know as a child or as a teenager, or even sometimes as an adult, that half the time when people say to you, you should be more like this, they're actually saying, and they're actually projecting onto you what they want to be more of. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I think a lot of times we don't, it's like you don't realize that half the time that my view of you is colored by my own projections wow. and my own perceptions. So really, we can't really take anything purposefully because it's yeah. never really about it. But it takes a long time to get, you know, I think that's yeah. a bit of a, you know, so, um, but no, I think you're right. So it's like, it doesn't have to be something like, you know, big T, big trauma. It ha can be little, you know, little traumas just over time. And then that's it. You'll, you know, as you said, you you have that experience. So you, 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 you formed this perception that, okay, so I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I can't go into these spaces and places because you know, for whatever, you know, whatever the story was. So now your nervous system, before you've even realized, you've avoided going into this. And, and then you, who knows what opportunities. So you're not really making an informed choice. You're actually being run by fear and guilt or shame or whatever it is, you know, that's going on. So you're never really making an informed choice. You're just kind of moving between, you know, you're just avoiding feeling uncomfortable, basically. So I think, and that's the thing with, with trauma so there's a really great quote by Carl Jung, which is, if until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll rule your life and you'll call it fate. So I believe that I was deeply unlovable and unwanted. So of course, I'm going to continue to get into situations where I'm treated like I'm unlovable and unwanted because I have to confirm that. I have to continue to confirm that. So, and that was what was ruling my life. So yeah, I think everyone can do with a little bit of, everyone can benefit from a little bit of self-inquiry, you know, just even yeah. just like low level self-inquiry, yeah. you know, like something comes up a trigger and triggers are great. It's like, if you're scrolling, I mean, Instagram's brilliant, right? So if you're scrolling through Instagram and you see somebody and you feel that, mm, don't like that, you know, whatever the feeling that comes up, what's that about? Just ask yourself, like, what am I feeling right now? Is it envy? Great. 
that envy is showing me that I want that or some version of that, some essence of what that person has. Why am I not going after that? Oh, as a kid, I was told that, I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know, somebody on a yacht somewhere nice. As a kid, I was told that, you know, that's not living in the real world. You know, it's like a symbol of something like that, which has prevented that person from going and experiencing something that actually their soul wants. Uh, I think Instagram's great, actually. Just go do some scrolling. You'll (laughs) definitely find something that triggers you. And then you're like, ah, okay, that trigger is telling me what is within me right now that I need to see and own. So, you know. And I think, you know, I think it's, especially these days, it feels like everybody is, you know, A, so busy that they Mm. fit with those those feelings and those emotions, they use being busy to avoid sitting mm. with feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Kind of don't know how to do it. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, but, you know, one of the things that I've really noticed is the more that I've like lent into some of the more negative emotions, like you say, like fear, you don't, you don't think you're fearful of something. When you, when you start to like really dig into it, you're like, I'm not, I, this is happening or this reaction is mm. happening or I'm feeling like this because I fear that it mm-hmm. Thing about myself that no, okay. whatever and you know I've over the last couple of years particularly I've you know started meditating journaling Mailing. and mm-hmm. I have found that the best way of getting through these things is to is to actually just allow yourself to experience those things and to mm-hmm. Experience, mm-hmm. rather than going oh I don't like this I don't like how this feels I'm block it to actually yeah. go okay she's gonna let myself feel it for a bit and quite often it, it kind of goes quite quickly when you let yourself feel it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when I think back to, I mean, I didn't, so yeah, I mean, 2020, that was the first year that I ever did any meditating. And the reason why I avoided meditating was because I couldn't relax, because yeah. I couldn't be still in my body, because my body would then all of a sudden start sending me information and then I just didn't, wasn't capable of feeling or, or receiving because it's uncomfortable and you're so right. And, and I think we have to, again, think about our conditioning. So what happens when a person around us starts crying? Normally, our first response is to cry, to cry, it's okay, it's okay. Wow. Like we want to kind of really quickly move that person along from experiencing that emotion yeah. rather than just... So I went to a women's circle last year in February and the facilitator said, right, so I'm just going to say if anybody starts crying, it's really important, like, please don't interfere. You could tell that we all felt so uncomfortable with that because we want to just, it's because it's uncomfortable for us. Yeah. So it's like when my kids cry, I've got to really, I'm like, okay, just let them cry. I'm not going to tell them to stop or not tell them to stop because it's, it's more of it. It's uncomfortable for me because them being in pain triggers my own pain. So it was like, so yeah, so I think the first thing, like you said, it's just like, if I, like, I mean, you know, I'm at a point now, like, I'm just so curious, like anything comes up for me, I'm like straight in the like, you know, oh, what's this about, you know, and, but also at the same time, not to constantly intellectualize emotions, but actually be like, yeah, like right now, like this weekend, yeah, there was some times when I felt angry and, you know, my kids said to me, mommy, you seem really angry. I was like, yeah, I'm just feeling a bit angry today. I'm just, I'm not feeling very well. You know, I'm, I'm tired and I'm just feeling a bit angry. I said, but it's not about you. It's just me. And this is the, this is the experience and the emotion that's passing through me. And like you say, if you resist the emotion, it gets bigger uh-huh. and it gets, it gets louder. And sometimes we just like emotions are like weather, right? So it's like, if I'm the sky and the clouds and the rain and the wind are emotions, they're just passing. And nope. it's like, rather than becoming the emotion, just witnessing the emotion, like you say, and just letting it be, 
And then it, it does soon pass, but it's uncomfortable because often there can be like latent emotions, especially if you have experienced perhaps some physical trauma, especially, well, and an emotional trauma because it gets stored in your body. But I think, you know, sometimes it's not actually emotion that's for now. It's from, you know, who knows yeah. how long ago. So, but yeah, I think, like you said, just even if it's just like 60 seconds, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. You, you know, you're in the middle of doing the school run and I don't know. Yeah, like, you know, someone doesn't do what you want them to do or you're running late and it's like you start to feel that irritation or that, I don't know, sometimes that anxiety, it's like, just give yourself 10 seconds just to breathe and just to be like, okay, like, and just say, actually, yeah, I'm feeling frustrated right now. And just be like, okay, feeling frustrated. Frustration is here. And that's all it has to be, you know, but I think the bigger ones can be quite hard. Like I know for me, like anger has been a very, it's taken me a long time. And even still, I just being like, it is okay to be angry. It is okay. Especially as women. I think there's like this real thing, like women in anger. It's like, you know, it is okay that I'm angry right now. You know, I've had a boundary being crossed. You know, normally anger is like, you know, someone's violating the boundary. And it's like, actually, it's okay that I feel angry right now. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me just means that I'm feeling angry but yeah I think you like you say busyness and ultra busyness is a trauma response as yeah. well so yeah. you know it's like if you can't sit down and be in your body you know then to me it's like okay just gently ease into that just give you know it's just like yeah. but yeah it's um I think though you know you've got to want to and I think that's where I have got to the point where you know when there's people around me that I can see you know I'm kind of thinking oh that person could probably you know I've got to remember like some people just don't want to yeah but I take it people that are listening to this podcast are interested in personal development and all that stuff so like if you know if it's like you know I think you kind of know you know you kind of say things to yourself like yeah I probably should like maybe just like do some meditation or do a bit of journaling it's kind of like you know you kind of you desiring that self-inquiry but it can feel very overwhelming yeah. I think like you say, it's like just just start by that that gentle observation or something that I list, uh, I heard someone say was set an alarm and just lie down. So you start with two minutes. You don't, it's not meditating. Just lie down. Have your eyes open if you want to. Yeah. And just literally just lie down. Yeah. Just no, like, yeah, no music, like nothing, and just lie there. And just let whatever comes up come up yeah. and just feel it and breathe. And then like build up to like 10 minutes of doing that. So it's not meditating because you're just laying there and you're just being in your body, not yeah. moving. And, you know, I remember the first time I did that, I think within five minutes, I was like, oh, maybe I should just check my phone. It's, it's hard. We're so used to distraction these days that even just well, still for two minutes can be almost impossible. Yeah, there is that. And that, and, you know, and I think that's it too. It's like actually, I mean, what's the average attention span now? I think it's almost like, seconds, probably. Like <laughs> So, yeah, I think, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff going on, I think, on a, you know, we've got that real of, yeah, the environment that we're kind of in and that. So we do, you know, if we want to feel better and you want, you know, like you say, it's like I want to achieve certain things, then the emotional health is is is, is a really important cornerstone to that. So, yeah, just, you know, beginning with, like you say, just, just feeling, just, yeah, just witnessing. Yeah. Sometimes that helps. It's like you don't have to even feel it. Just witness it. Just like watch, you know, it's almost like observe it within yourself, become that, well, you are, you know, you are the awareness. So it's like, oh, I'm aware that this is happening within me right now. And actually I have no control over the generation of emotions. Well, thoughts will generate emotions, but generally it's like, they'll just cut, you know, they just kind of come and go like thoughts and, you know, um, rather than becoming it, you know? So yeah, I think that's, that's definitely something that I, took me a while. 
Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, for, for the majority of people, like the idea of working on mindset, people don't particularly want to do it. They're like, oh, well, that sounds a bit boring. It takes time out really to do and how to do it. And, you know, like I always say to people, the fact is that if, if you don't change your mindset, if you don't look at what's going on with you and why you do certain things the way that you <clears throat> then you're never going to get past that. You're just going to keep doing the same over and over and over and over again. And you don't move forward. And, you know, it's why I talk about mindset so much on this podcast, because I just think that without the foundation of that and working on that, then everything else just is so, so, so much harder to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. I mean, I remember, and this isn't like, I'm not, (laughs) what did my coach say? He was like, you know, if you're not looking back on your past self and kind of thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that, then, you know, with love and compassion, but I can see just how stuck I was, but I can see why. Because, you know, six years ago, I just, I was so locked in this perception of myself and I was, it was like, I, you know, I was experiencing all these mental health symptoms and I believed that I had no control. I believed that I had mm-hmm. no control over how I was feeling and that yeah. everybody outside of me had to treat me differently and do things differently yeah. so that I didn't feel so bad. And yeah. that, you know, I can just, it's like, oh, you know. And don't get me wrong, but I still, there's still, I've still got air, gray areas, you know, that I'm still kind of becoming aware of, but my, you know, it's quicker now. I come aware of things quicker, but you know, yeah, you know, so it's, I didn't, I wasn't working on my mindset. And I remember doing a business, a 12 week business, like coaching thing. This is when I was pregnant with my daughter Rose. And I remember just finding it. I was just so triggered by the whole process. And I remember I kept going to these sessions saying, but yeah, but I have anxiety. So it was like almost like, yeah, but I can't do that because I'm anxious. Oh. And it was like, so, and again, I'm not, that anxiety was real, but because of my perception of my inability to do anything about it, that stopped me from getting the most out of that experience because I went in with this perception that you have to treat me differently because of this, which meant that I wasn't actually showing up as myself at all. And it was a really challenging, but I'm, I'm you know, but now I can reflect on that and think, wow, I can really see how that prevented me from actually getting the most out of that course. But I'm, I'm really glad that I went through that because now I have that experience. So it's not good or bad. It's just, but yeah, you know, mindset is everything. Same with exercise. It's like, why am I exercising? Why am I doing this? And why am I not doing certain things? Yeah. And like you say, it's like if you grow up believing, especially you know, for a lot of women, yeah, if you grow up believing that, well, I'm not good at sport or I can't do that or I should know, you know, whatever, then yeah, it'll, it'll prevent you from, you know, I mean, there's just so many things. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, for me, one of the big things is, you know, I'm I'm very anti-diet. I think people think I'm anti-weight, yeah. I'm just anti-diet. I'm anti like that whole diet culture. And one yeah. of the reasons is that because I think it encourages women to feel bad about themselves. And, oh, to be uh-huh. and, I, uh-huh. and I personally think that the more dissatisfied you are, the less likely you are to actually do good things for yourself. And so yeah, yeah. you end up in this vicious cycle. Whereas, you know, one of the things that I really encourage women to do is to be, you, you don't have to love yourself. You don't have to like... Mm. Mm-hmm. amazing all the time but you have to be okay enough with yourself to want to do things for yourself mm-hmm. yeah you know, absolutely we can make so many excuses about i don't have the time i'm too busy mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. are too stressful i've got to be there for the kids i've got and you know yes of course sometimes that's true but often it's because we don't want to really do the thing for some yes. like buried reason that's deep yeah, inside yeah yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i mean self-care and you know, self, like, I really noticed that, like, so for me, I mean, obviously you, you read the book. I, I also experienced like an eating disorder. I had just, you know, disordered yeah. eating and, and I had uh, like body dysmorphia. 
So I think that, again, you know, that in my mind, the kind of like diet industry and the fitness industry in that kind of real polarized, you have to look like this because if you don't look like this, then you're never going to be good enough. That is very harmful. But I never, at the time I was, I wasn't exercising and eating because I cared about myself. I was doing it as a way of becoming better. Yeah. And then it was also numbing and all that kind of stuff. But so, but yeah, like in terms of, like you say, like when you're coming from a place of actual genuine self-care and self-respect, then it's not, you know, you're not going to diet. You're not going to start self. You're not going to, you know, and, and again, you can be, and this is the thing, isn't it? It's like you can't, if you're struggling to accept and see yourself as worthy now and that I have to become this, then when you become that, your mind, your ego will just be like, well, now you need to attain that. Yeah. So it'll never end. So so that was a thing for me. It's like I had to, I realized that it doesn't matter what I do, how I look, what I do for work, what relationship I'm in, none of that matters because I'm worthy now. I'm worthy now. Well, I was worthy the minute I was born. Nothing's changed since then. So all of this stuff on the outside is just, you know, so... And that's when it shifted for me. So training became about care and love and enjoyment. I enjoy training, actually enjoy yeah. training, as opposed to I have to do this because I have to keep myself looking a, a certain yeah. way. And then, yeah, I mean, dieting, you know, again, the diet industry, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It doesn't really want people to lose weight. <laughs> well, short, short term it does because then you're like, well, it works. Short, yeah, short term, but, you know, not long term, because that's the thing. And, we, you know, and you and I, I mean, I don't coach anymore or anything like that. But, you know, it's like you don't want people to be with you forever. The idea yeah. is they become, they realize they're fully empowered. They have the resources they need. They don't need to be perpetually. I mean, obviously, if you're running like a general class and stuff, obviously, you'll keep going back. But what yeah. I mean is like there comes a point in which you want them to go off and do their own thing. Yeah. Like They're self-sufficient, motivated enough by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's that the problem is that if you're people think that if you're anti-diet, then you're promoting the opposite. Yes. And that's that's the issue with this real, like this polarized, right? Yes, you're either exactly. really good yeah. or you're really bad. It's yeah. like, no, I'm just not promoting that. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily does it mean that I'm therefore promoting this? Yeah. It just means that you see through that. And yeah. then you re- you know, so Yes, yeah, the diet, I mean, the dieting thing is very interesting. Right. And again, you know, for someone like myself, you know, it was like, it was a way of controlling because yeah. I felt that, and this is another thing for women, isn't it? It's like, we need to be controlled. Our bodies need to be controlled. You yeah. know, we have to control every aspect of ourselves, our bodies, how we act, how we are, you know. But the chances are, if you had been someone who would talk too much in school, that yeah. you would have been told talk too much yeah you know because that's what I was told I was told I was too talk too much too loud talk too much so I was like oh I better not talk or I better not share my voice or I better like skew the way that I you know so it's like yeah yeah. you can't you can't win (laughs) you don't think no and that's when you realize perfect amount of you know exactly you can't (laughs) win you'll never win and so just stop bothering (laughs) stop trying to play the game that is set up (laughs) yeah it's like do you know what fine i'm never gonna win i'm never gonna you're never gonna please everybody you can never, yeah exactly there's always gonna be someone you that never please exactly and and that you know and i think that's 
you know, it, that's the hardest thing, isn't it? Because you can see, but I can see it, you know, in my kids when they come home in school and someone said, you know, they didn't like me or they didn't like my game. I just say, like, look, not everyone's going to like your game and not everyone's going to want to play with you. That's okay. Because the people that do want to play with you and do like your game well. So you, yeah. you just keep doing it. And then the people that are actually meant for you will come in. Because if you're bothering with all the people that are, there's no space for the ones that actually do want to come in to come yeah. in. So, but I think that's hard because, you know, we, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> right. I think we'll we'll round up there. I think we could probably go on talking about this stuff for ages. But um, before we go, do you want to tell everybody how they can get hold of a copy of your book? Yes. At the moment, the ebook is published. You can get that on Amazon and on Kobo. So I'll give you the link for that. Right. Um, and then my book is, well, it has gone to print. It'll be available in paperback. Fingers crossed within the next couple of weeks. So again, I will post the link to Alex to you. And then when people are ready, they can either get the paperback or you can go for the, you know, for the ebook. And that's downloadable like on Kindle and on the phone. Yeah, you can get that straight away, right? Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll share, I'll share the details in the show notes for that so people can go and find Lovely. it. So thank you so much for joining me again today, Smala. Uh, thank you, Anna. Now, I can probably see that Smala's book is so worth a read and I would definitely, definitely recommend that you go pick up a copy for yourself. And I hope that that conversation has been really helpful as well. I think we covered quite a lot there. And like I say, I think we could have gone on for ages, but we won't. We'll, we'll wrap up there. And I hope that it's it's made you think about, you know, your willingness to sit with some of the emotions and feelings about some of the actions that you're taking that, you know, maybe aren't particularly helpful to you right now, but which may have, have come from things that you've been told in the past or things that you have believed um, have been true in the past and, and some ways that you can start to work through that. So I hope you enjoyed that. I definitely, definitely did. And I'm going to say goodbye there and a huge thank you as always for joining me and I will see you all next time. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. Don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at Alex Chickfit for plenty more inspiration.